0: I know what you're thinking. With Git so popular, does Microsoft use it internally? Absolutely, we do. I know what you're thinking. Doesn't Microsoft's code base stretch so large that it would slow Git down? Absolutely. That's a problem that needs to be solved. No, that's a problem that we have solved. That's what we're talking about on this episode of Dev Radio. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of Microsoft Dev Radio, and you are going to like this one. I've got Saeed Norsalehi. He's a program manager with the Visual Studio Team Systems team, and he has, with his team, created something that is going to blow your mind. We also have Christian Allred. He's a senior software engineer. He's behind the scenes and helped put it together. He's on the Windows File System team, and here we go. Christian, let's start with you, man. Thanks for being on the show today. Before we start talking about... The uh, the Git virtual file system here. Talk to me first about who you are.
1: So, like you said, I'm Christian Allred. I am a software engineer on the Windows uh, file systems team. I've been working at Microsoft for a little over 15 years, in file systems the whole time. Um, I worked on the first thing I worked on at Microsoft was something that is sadly deprecated now. It's the transactional NTFS extensions to our uh, file system. I've uh, worked on the filter manager. I own the volume snapshot driver. I've had a hand in some of the WinRT file system APIs,
0: just kind of up and down the stack in file systems. But it's always file system all the way. Tell me a little bit about uh, the Windows file system. Is it pretty good? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) I think so. Um, So our file system, well the main file system that we have, NTFS, has been a part of Windows NT since its inception. Um, We have some other file systems that our team owns too, you know, FAT, -FAT Mm EXFAT for like mobile applications and we have also our newest file system, REFS, that right now is uh, primarily in servers but is making its way through to other uh, elements of Windows. But yeah, the NTFS file system has been with us for a long time. It's seen continuous development over its entire lifetime and it's just getting better and better.
0: Now, REFS our, our eventually, someday, will eclipse NTFS and we will stop saying NTFS so fast and we'll start saying REFS and people, do you guys not pronounce it, Refus? No, I've never
1: heard anybody pronounce it, Refus. Uh, We I usually hear pronou- people pronounce it REFS.
0: That's probably a better, I'm sure. I'm sure Refus means something terrible in some other language, so it's probably better we stick to just the letters for sure. All right, Christian, thanks for being here. I'm excited to talk to this, talk to you about this. Um, it's a, it's a cool project all the way around. Said, now thank you for being on the show too. You, you know, we, we're gonna, we're gonna get into the nuts and bolts here, but before we do, just introduce yourself and who, who is Said? How long have you been at Microsoft? The whole shebang.
2: Sure, uh, I'm more of a journeyman than Christian is. I've been around for about 14 years or so, but I've Worked on a few different teams. Um, I worked on Exchange Server for a few years. I worked in uh, on an Xbox 360 game for a while.
0: Um,
2: I've been uh, here in Visual Studio Team Services for about three years, uh, working on you know the um, our Git product all up. Uh, mostly just focused on large teams within Microsoft and specifically focused on their scale problems. Um, so mm. that's that's what we'll be talking about today.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's talk about VSTS for a second yeah. because I, 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 it's I love the product. Um, as as people are adopting cloud base, and you know, people don't freak out quite as much as they used to about putting everything in the cloud because they realize what's going on. At the same time, what do you see? Uh, TFS uh, proper that's on prem, and then you have VSTS in the cloud. How's migration going into the cloud?
2: Uh, well, you know, both products are, are still thriving. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think, yeah, um, there's more and more companies, I think, recognize that offloading their infrastructure and letting somebody else deal with all that pain is is a better use of their time and money. Um, But then, you know, you have plenty of companies who just need the level of control that they get or they need um, access to the back end data or for whatever reason, they they still continue to use the on-prem product product. so both are alive and well, I think.
0: But both are alive as well. What about feature parity? Are they identical, basically? Uh,
2: basically, I mean, VSTS uh, picks up new features much more rapidly um, hmm. because we release every three weeks to the service, uh, whereas we release quarterly to, um, for the on-prem product. Uh, But but you know as far as well wait is that is
0: that the flow Uh, just like SQL Server releases first the SQL Azure and then that becomes the on-prem SQL feature as well is that the way you guys have it as well?
2: Um, Essentially, it's all the same code base, all the same product. Um, You know, configured slightly differently, Uh, and the the release cadences are, of course, very different.
0: All right, so. VSTS. One neat thing about VSTS, and I know this personally, is um, uh, we use it ourselves. Like this is our source control. You know, if we could go back five years, that really wasn't true, right? We it really hadn't been something we had wholesale adopted internally, and then all of a sudden, this is our actual tool. Did that change the culture inside VSTS?
2: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, the whole um, company is our customer. At this point, and you know, we um, we VSTS are our own customer as well, and so um, you know, we have we have a, a very strong culture of we use our own products on the bleeding edge. Um, you know, we have a, a, a ring in VSTS that is just for ourselves, so that we're always on the on the absolute latest. Mm-hmm. We then quickly go out to the rest of the company before we go out to the world, and w- we're always making sure that we are validating it ourselves before we. You know put it out to anyone else.:
0: All right, so uh, when it comes to large dev teams and significant code bases, Microsoft pretty much sets a lot of the bars out there. Um, in yep. fact, Microsoft is not the normal uh, development, software development company out there. We're kind of special to De- kind of describe how Microsoft is unique. Um, in some ways, the
2: majority of Microsoft is fairly ordinary. We have with thousands of repos in Microsoft, you know, all using normal Git, working using normal Git workflows. Um, a lot of them, uh, you know, are just uh, no different than than teams out there. But we have a few teams in Microsoft that are extremely unusual. You know, we have the Windows team, for example, that um, has around close to four thousand developers all trying okay. to work in one repo. Um, and All
0: trying to work in a single repo. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it,
2: um, and you know, like out in the in the real world, outside of Microsoft, um, a, a repo with like a hundred thousand files in it would be considered really large. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we add a couple of zeros onto that. Um, <laughs> so, so we're pretty unusual in that way that we have we have a handful of these repositories that are just gigantic. Um, the Windows team is now. Uh, fully on, on to Git, um, but we have other teams as well, uh, like Office uh, is in you know, similar scale uh, numbers and they're mi- thinking about migrating to Git as well, uh, or mm-hmm. not thinking about it but working on it. Um, so
0: wait, I, I, I think I hear kind of a, a subtext of what you're talking about internally here, that we are, we're all Git.
2: The vast majority of the company is now on Git, that's for sure.
0: Okay. Oh. And to be clear, we're talking about the Git protocol, right? And and being able to use that that way. Um, let me let me back up just for a second, because I heard you say so many interesting things just then. All right, so if I were outside and I was a, and I was writing, you know, Git, and I wanted to test it, I would put my thousand files in there, and I would check, and I would you know, I would check in, check, and and constantly commit different points, rebase it again. Hey, it looks great. Hey, let's try this on something big. I go to a hundred thousand files. Do all the same sorts of tests. I'm like, man, this thing is doing great. They then we bring it into Microsoft. What was our experience as we started using the tools that, um, you know, really the rest of the industry was saying was awesome.
2: Well, um, like I said, for for many of our teams at Microsoft, the tools work great. You know, what what we've done though is we've taken sort of the the um, raw workflows of Git and we've. Um, Sort of beef them up for enterprise scenarios, and what we do, 've done with vsts is we 've done things like make sure that you can configure your repo to protect certain branches, for example, right like you don 't want everyone to be able to push straight to master and break your code and so we set up requirement to do pull requests or a requirement to run a build and, and get nice. a code review before you can merge into master so've we've, we've really enhanced git to work well for uh, enterprise teams um, and make sure that you can keep your quality up and and have you know good release management out of that, and all, and all those sorts of things.
0: Um, now, uh, for centralized source control, we call that a gated check-in. I, I still accidentally call commit check-ins, but right. um, what do we call it on the the Git side?
2: Um, well, we we really push the pull request workflow, uh, okay. and so um, yeah, what well, what we do is we we encourage teams to require pull requests into master or into their important branches. Um, and within a pull request you can configure all sorts of controls you can configure you know various builds that have to pass various tests that have to pass you know, particular people that have to code review um, things like that so so really we, we, when we talk about the workflows we, we've uh, talk about pull requests a lot okay yep.
0: all right yep. so now let's so great it works terrific and you guys have have tailored VSTS to have more enterprise f- facing features let's talk right. about where we ended up, like what what, what was the edge case that uh, we had to solve? Um. Well, uh, you
2: know, about two and a half, three years ago, we started looking at well, what would it take to bring Windows into Git? And the the real issue with the Windows team is just the sheer scale. Yeah. The number of files in the repo, the number of branches that they're going to create, the number of people constantly pushing to the repo. Um, and there's, there was no way we were going to be able to scale to that. And so we had to figure out, you know, what are all the different ways that we're going to, ha- um, like, what are the challenges that we're going to hit with the Windows team and how do we fix them all? Uh, talk, um,
0: talk to me a little bit about how you knew that it wouldn't scale. What, what were some of the early experiences?
2: Um, so... You know, back then, even the the VSTS repo, which is quite a lot smaller than Windows, um, was was sort of pushing the limits of Git. Huh. Um, and so, we could tell, you know, even with our own repo, which, you know, back then we had about three or 400 developers, um, you know, a tenth of the size of Windows. Um, we had hmm. about 100,000 files. Um, and... Uh, you know, even with those numbers, we were starting to, to find the limits where you know operations just take a long time. Like you you, you do a git clone or a git uh, status or a git checkout, and and it's not as as zippy as you'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. And so we know we know if we take these numbers and, and multiply them by 10 or 100, you know, it's just not going to be usable. Uh, yeah. And in fact, we, we we did some experiments early on. We took the whole Windows code base and we created a repo with all the code in it, and you try to do a git clone and it would take um, you know, twelve hours just to, <laughs> just to clone it, um, and that assumes that you don't lose your connection while you're doing that. Because in reality, cause, and and you know, a git mm. clone is not resumable. So if you lose your connection, you got to start over. Yeah. So really, it would take you like you know three, four, five days to get a clone, um, and then like the very first thing you're going to do is um, like run a git status just to see, you know, what, what's what, and that right. takes like ten minutes
0: on Cause, that repo. Because what changed in those three days exactly? Yeah.
2: And so, you know, well, and, and yeah, and just to tell you that nothing has changed at all in your repo, it has. It would take a ten minutes just to scan those three and a half million files. So, it was just not usable at all. Um, and we had to f- go figure out, you know, some way to do that. And we we tried a lot of different approaches uh, before we landed on uh, mm-hmm. on our current solution.
0: Now, uh, talk to me just a little bit about using Git in the first place. Uh, it sounds like the yeah. team hadn't used Git up until then, and they were using their own, it was internal something, something. And what what, did, what was it called back then? Do you remember? Or what our internal Windows source control was?
2: Uh, yeah, previously we were using Source Depot, or the yeah, Windows source team Depot. was using Source Depot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And nobody else was. That was ours. We wrote it for ourselves.
1: And um, so they oh.
0: were... What, wait, what's that?
1: <laughs> well, Source Depot started its life as a, a licensed... Um, we licensed the Perforce uh, s- source control system, and then we started, you know, modifying it. So we got a source license to Perforce, and then we started
0: modifying ah. it for our very specific requirements. Right. I
1: and am It worked so great for us for years I, and years. I love
0: knowing the backstory of all these crazy things like that. That's terrific. And so I, it started then not as our product. We just, I mean, I branched it in a sense and, and uh, kind of went from Essentially, there. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, it's an
1: int- it was an internal-only fork of, of this product, so that it could meet the the requirements that w- that Windows had. Because Windows was split into several what they call depots, sort of like a repo. So Windows was split into several depots, but we had to have these tools on top of it to kind of bind the repos together when you would do a, an all-up build of the whole product. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that's what we used for quite a long time. When I very fir- when I first joined Microsoft uh, over 15 years ago, they had just finished transitioning to Source Depot from the previous source control system, ah. kind of for similar reasons, because Windows was getting bigger, the old source control system didn't quite, didn't scale, and it was apparent that it wasn't going to scale as Windows continued to grow. Oh, and then
0: Christian, walk me through the, the mentality here. What, was there a problem with Source Depot we were trying to solve, or was there something special about Git we were trying to go to?
1: More the latter than the previous. There were some issues because of the way that we were... were, So, Source Depot worked great for the development model that Windows had for a very long time. Mm. When we were on long release cycles, three years or more, um, the way that code would flow through the system, Source Depot was great. Um, But when Windows decided to move to a faster release cadence, you know, with the advent of Windows 10 and even before then, when Windows 8 and Windows 8.1 came out shortly thereafter and then Windows 10. Right. um, And then we moved to now the release cadence we have where we're releasing, you know, every, at least every year, every six months is what we've been doing. It became apparent that the code velocity, as we refer to it, -hmm. the code couldn't flow through the system fast enough. Ah. And so we had to change our development model. And, um, and Saeed can speak to this too, because they did a lot of research into, into why Git, but, um, Git wound up making the most sense to be the thing to move from source depot onto.
0: Okay, uh, Saïd, I can't help but ask, why Git? Um,
2: well, it, you know, Git is um, a really great tool for uh, creating the sorts of collaborative workflows that that we're trying to move towards. You know, we, we're um, like Christian alluded to. You know, with Git, you have uh, a much easier time. Uh, achieving that sort of code velocity because because it's you know it's super fast to create a branch, um, party on that branch, share it with your teammates, and then the whole pull request workflow, getting those changes back into the master branch. Um, it's it's amazing the, the efficiencies that that unlocks, um, and mm. um, and you know already you know the Windows team has now been on Git for a few months, and we've had people emailing us saying. You know, I've, I've had, I, there was a specific example, This somebody emailed us and said, you know, there's something I've been wanting to build, and it's been on my personal backlog for three years, but I could never do it because it was uh, too painful to, like, work in, like, to create a branch would be too painful, and then to try to work on it, like, without checking it in was too painful, but within the mm-hmm. first week of being in Git, he created a branch, did some prototyping, pushed it up, got some feedback, fin- and, and got the changes merged in, um, wow. And so, you know, we we really wanted to encourage folks to have those, you know, those more like, you know, nimble, agile workflows, uh, and it's really paying off, I think.
0: Yeah, when you could take a gigantic code base and treat it like a teeny tiny code base because that's all you're working yeah. on. It, there is a beauty to it. Okay, um, let's talk about the problem you hit so we can talk about the solution we're here for.
2: Right. Right. Well, we've, we've hit on a, a little bit of it, which is the, the scale of the Windows code base is just astronomical. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got uh, three and a half million files in the working directory at the tip of master. Oh, um, and, yeah, and that's not even counting history or anything. And that's uh, about 300 gigabytes of source files. Um, and so just the, the sheer cost of scanning through those files and doing something like a git status or a git checkout... It, you know it just makes it uh, so it 's unusable, like I said before it's about ten minutes to run git status it's about it was about thirty minutes to do a checkout um, yeah, yeah. And, and you know actually you know I take that back it was about three hours to do a checkout to do and uh to modify one file and then to commit it, it takes about thirty minutes Like right? so it's just you just can't use it like there's, there's right. no realm in which that would be uh usable right um, and so we had to go and figure that out like how do we how do we make this Practical, so that people can actually do their work.
0: Well, well, tell me, what's the bottleneck? What was? What's the thing that really is is creating this this uh, slowdown?
2: Um, the bottleneck is Git was designed with the assumption that because all of your contents are local on your machine, and because most repos have, you know, maybe a few hundred or a few thousand files at most, um, they kind of optimized Git so that um, so that you don't have to do commands like, you know, you don't have to go and tell Git up front, I'm going to go edit this file. You just go uh-huh. and work on whatever files you want, and then like, for, and then status can just go and scan the whole working directory and find mm-hmm. what files you modified. <laughs> and so they made this assumption that that scanning the working directory will be fast enough and that you know, look, uh-huh. you know, c- comparing the contents of each file will be fast enough. Uh, and when you have three and a half million files, that just falls apart.
0: Got it. Wouldn't be the first time developers and architects made too small of an assumption around scale, for sure. Right. All right. And so we had to come in and solve this problem. What happened?
2: Well, our first approach was let's just take this code base and split it up into a bunch of smaller repos. Um, and we, we tried a few different uh, iterations on that idea. Um, and, you know, the we, ha- we had um, a lot of we, we learned a lot of lessons from doing that
0: okay. um, and yeah.
2: the, 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 the biggest thing we learned is you, you can't really take a code base that um, like if the code base is, is a particular size and you have to build it all together and release it all together. You can't take that code base and, ch- and divide it up into smaller chunks just for arbitrary scale reasons. It doesn't really work out. In the end, you create more complication for your development workflows. Um, and because you have to figure out like, okay, now I have these ten repos that make up the one code base, and and what yeah. commit from each from these ten repos do I have to bring together, and how do I make sure they 're all in sync and what if yeah. what if they, what if one person modifies this repo and another person modifies that? it just creates a, a lot of problems
0: um, and, and and over time they 'll inevitably get bigger as well
2: exactly well, and that was one of the the big problems is that one, we, we looked at dividing up the Windows code base into a handful of what we were thinking of as modules. Um, but it had to be each module had to be something that could at least compile on its own, mm. and one of the modules, the smallest we could get it, would still have been larger <laughs> than anything you could use with Git as it was. <laughs> so splitting it up just didn't didn't really work out. Um,
0: okay, and so so we throw away Plan A or Plan B, I guess.
2: That's right. The, 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 we had a, a few different iterations of that. We we tried submodules and we tried, um, you know, using some. Some custom tools to st- just stitch together multiple repos, and yeah, it was, we, we we ended up uh, ditching those plans. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, in, in the end, we kind of realized uh, the only way to uh, make this work would be one. I mean, we could have gone and tried to rewrite a lot of the guts of Git, but we we really didn't want to do that. You know, we didn't want to have uh, yet another internal-only tool. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of looks like Git but isn't really, uh, you know, really what we wanted to do was to make sure we're using the same tools as everyone else. Um, and, and when you go on some public forum and you read about, uh, you know, this Git command or that Git tool, like it should be the same inside Microsoft as it is outside. Yeah. So, we, so we rejected yeah. that idea as well. Um, and so that, that's kind of what led us down to this idea yeah. of what if we, instead of changing Git, what if we virtualize the file system underneath Git? So that Git can still make the same assumptions that it does and wants to go scan the files and whatever, but we essentially hide much of the file system from Git so that it doesn't have to go and and do all that unnecessary I.O. Oh. Um, That was kind of the that was kind of the root of the idea was was what if we just make the repo look smaller?
0: Uh, What if we just Yeah, so all the same mechanics are there. We just trick it to think it's a tiny little repo. That's right. Wow. Okay. What does that look like?
2: Well, um, you know, what it looks like in the end is it looks like all the files are there. Um, and the, the cool thing about that is you don't have to go and fix your build tools or your IDE um, or any of the tools that you use to work with your repo. They all see the files. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. The files look like they're there on disk. Um, and you know, as you, the first time you go and open a file, um, it, it just materializes under the covers. And all of this actually has a secondary benefit, too, which is you know, the, the main problem that we're solving with Git is that it has to go and scan 3.5 million files. But there's also this other, the second problem, which is when you have that many files, you also have a lot of bytes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, copying 300 gigabytes of contents over the network just so you can uh, check out your first commit, it takes a long time. And so we actually got this other benefit uh, with, with virtualization that you don't copy any of those contents unless you actually need them.
0: Nice. Yep. Yep. Kind of on demand. Uh, now, now, wait. Now, Christian, right. um, mm-hmm. listen, uh, Git has some problems when there's too many files and I have to scan all these things. I was thinking maybe a virtualized file system. Somebody actually came to you and said something like this. How did you respond?
1: Well, um, we said, you know what? We're already we do have some virtualization products going already. Oh. Why don't we take one of those and see if we can uh, make it solve this problem? So the the part of, of gvfs that works with the file system directly is called a, a file system mini filter, and we'll talk about that in more detail later. Okay, but um, that part we already had a mini filter that was doing. Uh, file virtualization for containers, you know, like the like Docker containers. Mm. And so, what our filter actually is is, we took our existing Docker container filter and we said, okay, what can we do to this? We we'll use this as a base to build on, to create this virtualization product. And I want to say uh, a minute ago, you said, you know, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. A virtual file system. And I thought, well, if you do it right, it
0: looks like the file system. It's transparent. That's sort of the
1: point of virtualization. That's right.
0: Yeah and um so then work started to happen and i guess said you you realized this is going to be a product or a feature of vsts or this is going to be a product that we will provide externally what was the what was the future what was the plan at the beginning for um uh, well you know the from the
2: very beginning our plan was that this will be an open source product okay uh, yeah gbfs so gbfs is made of two parts there's there's the filter that Christian alluded to, um, and that is is you know down deep in the guts of Windows, and and there's yeah. a you know a driver there. But then there's there's the things that um, you know there's the gvfs product, which is a, just an application that knows how to talk to this driver. And the gvfs code is all is all open source. It's already up there on GitHub, um, and it requires uh, a, a gvfs protocol to talk to the server, um, mm-hmm. and that protocol is also public. And we're uh, you know, working with other companies already who are uh, implementing that same protocol. So, you know the plan has always been to make this available to anybody who would, you know, any service who wants to support it, and then any customers wow. who want to use it. Yeah.
0: Have you started getting uh, any pull requests externally on your uh, open source repo yet?
2: Uh, nothing too significant yet. You know, the, there's a, a huge barrier to entry because uh, yeah. working on file systems is not easy. Um, but we're actually, um, you know, working with, with an external team uh, who is. Uh, they're for now. They're focused on uh, building the their server side pieces of it, and then they're looking at coming in and contributing with into the client side as well. But like I say, it's it's a hard piece of code to really sure. to to dig into. Yeah,
0: and it's probably more than one file. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me. So let, let's let's just paint the picture here. GVSS is the uh, the Git virtual file system. Um, that right. is to solve the problem of what if you have so many files that the infrastructure of Git by itself just cannot, it just bogs down. What if we could virtualize right. that whole thing so it's faster? Then we could start applying, get into our teams that are gigantic and to actually use all the same tooling. Let's make it open source, let's make it public, let's make it so that anybody externally can use it so that all the documentation is available for all of us and for them, they get to see all of our innovations and we get to benefit from any of theirs as well. That's the, that's the high level umbrella of GBFS.
2: I think you nailed it, yeah.
0: Yes. The next thing (laughs) is I want to see it. I think uh, a demo and kind of walking through some of the implications of what this means to my my Git workflow is the right thing to do, but not the right thing to do, perhaps, on this episode. So I'm going to ask, Zaid, you and Christian, would you be willing to come back and uh, show us GVSS? We'll share some screens, and you can show us what it looks like? Absolutely. All right. Perfect. All right. If you're a developer out there and you use Git, you're not alone. Seems like everybody uses Git, and it turns out that as your application grows and as your, uh, as your team grows, you have some different types of things that you might need to solve. Depending on what kind of company you are and what kind of code base you have, you may be backed into a corner. Well, isn't it cool to know that so were we, and we needed to solve this problem, and we did, and it's here to share with you. Join us next time on an episode that you will absolutely enjoy. We will nerd out with these guys. This is Dev Radio. Saeed, thanks for being on this show. Christian, thanks for being on this show too. I look forward to seeing you again.